begging for more Cause I came here at a quarter to six And I ain't gonna leave till I get my fix All I want and all I need All I crave is a good puppy All I want and all I need All I crave is a good puppy Streaming live from SF to the world at psychedradiosf.com. Psyched Radio San Francisco. Streaming live from SF to the world at psychedradiosf.com.
want to tell you a story about a hot summer night at a bar on the Lower East Side. The air was so thick, you cut it with a knife. The crowds were so thick, it would make you want to cut them with a knife. The rats and the roaches crawling out in droves straight out of the sewage pipes. And sanitation may have even been on strike. It was a night when someone called the EMT the police and the fire department EMT police 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 the fire department
Francisco, streaming live from SF to the world at psychedradiosf.com. Psyched Radio San Francisco, streaming live from SF to the world at psychedradiosf.com.
listening to Psyched Radio. Welcome to Meet Curry. Hey, hey, hey. This is Neeraj and you are listening to Mean Curry. I'm <laughs> just a little running a little late, but I have a very, very special guest here with me. <sighs> Let's get you on. Okay. Can you speak into that mic? Sure. How's that? Is that good? That is fantastic. Okay. Great. Thank you. We have the actor in the studio tonight. On this beautiful San Francisco afternoon, <sighs> actor, I I don't even know how to introduce you because I I didn't know what your full name was until last week or so, uh -huh. Uh -huh. and I've always known you as an actor for the last six months or so. Yeah. I've seen you on stage at the Center Open Mic. Well, I kind of like um, having that 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 air of mystery about myself, so so I I just like being the actor. Um, if somebody really wants to find my uh, name, they they can find my name. It's it's my name is Richard. Richard. Yes. Richard, welcome to Mean Curry. Yes, but I like being referred to as the actor. As the actor, which yes. and by the way, you are a phenomenal actor. Thank you. I appreciate that. Having seen uh, just small acts, I I wish I can get to see you in a full uh, theater performance. Well, that's that's in the works. I'm I'm actually um, in the process of uh, producing a full-length play, um, and uh, hopefully um, it will um, be up and running uh, this year. But it's 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 quite a convoluted process, as I'm finding. I've never had to produce myself. I've acted in plays and such, but I've never produced one myself. So. It's a task. So this is the first time you're acting and producing. Yes. Yes, nice. I've always just been an actor in the past. Nice. And yeah, I, I bet it's a big <laughs> task and a production. And we'll, we'll, yeah, we can talk about that. Sure. But sure. I was listening into uh, while I was setting up, I was listening to what you and Blanca were talking about. Mm -hmm. And uh, I heard that you were a band manager. Yes. In Canada. Yes, yes. I um, I um, have dabbled in uh, many different aspects of the fine arts. I was um, uh, a painter for many, many years. And um, yes, I was a band manager um, and um, a writer. Um, so I've, I've had many different... Um, I've been fortunate. I've been had... I've had many different, uh, I'm kind of like the cat of acting and art. I've, I've had many different roles in the arts, and I'm very thankful that um, I've had those opportunities. And they've all been great. They've all been great. Yeah. And this is great. Thank you. Yeah, and thank you for being here. Y of course. You are, you're the perfect first guest on, <laughs> on the show because... Uh, oh, calling, no pressure. <laughs> calling the show Mean Curry, Art of Every Flavor. Ah, ah. And if you've dabbled into all different arts, then we, this is the place to discuss it. Great, great. Yeah. Uh, you know me. I mean, we've spoken in the past. I'm, I'm, I am loquacious, if nothing else. 
<laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> I speak readily. Ah, you do. And, well, let's talk about this band uh, that you were managing. Uh, okay, but sure. If you, if you didn't know, me and Blanca are in a band. Oh, uh, Which is just forming. And the band also started or uh, found its roots at the center. Ah, through yes, the, the center is a wonderful, wonderful place. And I think it connects all of us. Yes, uh, absolutely. So beautifully. It's a beautiful community mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. a great place to just sure. spend Friday evenings. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And over the, over the, over your trajectory over the years, how uh, how did you end up with being actor, being the actor? Have you settled on acting, or is this yes, still something absolutely. that, that it's, you? It's all consuming. Uh -huh. It's the hardest thing I've ever done, and. Um, I'm one of those persons that I seem good at a lot of stuff, but only because I put the time in. I'm very disciplined. And um, if I didn't devote the amount of time and energy that I do to it, then I would just be mediocre. And mediocrity is not something I'd like to settle for. Speaking of mediocrity so so yesterday in preparation for today Neeraj and I spent maybe like 45 minutes to an hour just in the living room doing different voices different characters oh. different impressions isn't it fun it was incredibly fun exhausting I'd, yes. I'd say yes people don't get that 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 because it, it requires concentration mm. and people some people get it especially people already in the arts uh, but people that aren't in the arts, they don't understand the physical um, aspect mm. of concentrating. Yeah, it's a, it's um, a full body yes, like, experience. Yes, it can be exhausting. Yes, yes. And I, but and it's a good exhaustion. So you were you exhausted afterward? I bet you had big old smiles on your face. And <laughs> yay! And we're gonna do this again, aren't we? We were cracking up, and I I literally took a nap uh, at. At what seven p.m.? <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I believe it. If um, you were if you were really doing it the way it should be done, then yes, you would be tired afterwards. Yeah. And and it was there was this point where we we had to stop. We had to close the the container, the portal that where oh, these, the portal. these voices like were coming from because it, we weren't studying a, a piece or anything. It was just us goofing off in the living it room. It was improv. <laughs> improv, yes. On steroids of, of some sort because there was no <laughs> no character and there was no there weren't any predefined lines that we were uh -huh. doing. The just steroids, by the way, were just weed. playing <laughs> off. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Wonderful. That's and, great. And so that, that got us to thinking of like for, for trained and disciplined actors and artists like you, mm -hmm. what does the process look like for you after such a full body immersion into a character or into a role? How, what, what is the, the full journey of embodying and then coming back to yourself? Uh, wow, that's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so let me unpack it a little bit. Um, well, the first thing, of course, is the material. If you're going to, so, so there's, there's improvisation, which the material is, is spontaneous, right? Um, for me, I always do scripted material. So the first thing is to find something worth doing. Um, it has to resonate with me, of course. 
And also, it has to resonate with the audience. And there also has to be a reason for doing it. Because a crazy man can just get up there and rant and rave, and it means something to him and his or her crazed mind, and it will definitely be impactful to the audience, but it's not really worth doing. So you have to find something that resonates with you, resonates with your audience, and is worth doing. And those things, you know, it, it seems easy, but those things, to, to coalesce those three things together can be difficult sometimes. So first comes the material. And then, um, and there's many ways for learning lines, but really it always comes down to repetition. There are people that, like, write them out longhand. There are people that type them out. Um, there are people that use, like, mnemonics, which, I mean, to me, that's, that's a bit convoluted. Uh, but really, it always comes down to repetition. So repetition. you find the material, and then you just shut yourself in a room. You make things comfortable. You have your tea, you know, or your beverage, what have you. You know, you might have some weed, you know, um, and you have everything that you need at hand, and then you just go over it over and over and over and over and that really is the only way and and it's it's magic it is magic because you start to be comfortable with the material and when you're comfortable with it then you can start to play with it mm-hmm. when you start to just read something that's all you're doing you're just reading something right but then as you start to read it the, the words start to be imprinted on your mind, on your soul. Mm. And at that point, then you can start to play with it, and that's when you're acting, mm. not before. Before that point, you were just reading over and over and over. And um, it's really that simple. I mean, it's not simple, it, 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 it's, it's um, but I hope that that answers your question that, that does. It does. Very beautif- uh, that does uh, answer it very beautifully. And I, and I want to linger on that point um, when you're, I guess, scouting for material or where you're assessing material. Um, you said it has to resonate with you. Yes. And, where, and the audience. And, and the audience. I guess where is it? Is it a cerebral resonance? Is it, is it a physical resonance? What What physical. is material that resonates with it's you? physical. Mm. Um, again, it's it's acting is funny, you know. You 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 people, you know, they see these actors, you know, and they think, oh, what an easy job that is, you know. But there's nothing easy about it, mm. and it's it's physical. You 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 you, as you guys found out, you know, afterwards, you were tired. You there was a physical aspect to it that you were aware of, and when I find some material that I want to do, um, I get a feeling inside me. Mm. Um, one, one thing that, that um, I'm gifted with is um, access to my emotions. I can cry at the drop of a hat. I can laugh at the drop of a hat. I wear my emotions on my sleeve, my heart on my sleeve, so to speak. And so it's physical with me. I, I will get this physical feeling, this warmth um, that takes place. Mm. Um, 
so yeah, it's 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 physical, and then and then you start to get you know the 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 mental things down, you know, as far as like you know the techniques of how to say a word. Um, the play yeah. the play I'm working on right now, um, it's um, Edward Albee's At Home at the Zoo, and one thing he does is he repeats phrases and words a lot, and I've had to learn how to say what. Like six different ways. What? 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 <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. What? Exactly. And mm. and so that's the mental part where you're trying to figure out and you're trying to tie in the physical and the mental. Um, but yeah, it's 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 physical. Let me let me give you some advice. Um, the best advice I ever got uh, from an acting teacher. He told me that I needed to read three plays excuse me, two plays a week. Yeah. That's and what you told me the first time I talked to you. Yes, yeah. yes. And so what that does is it um, it's like uh, when you eat, like we're talking about curry, right? You know, you have to develop a palate. Yes. And so so by, by reading many different plays, your palate, your artistic palate starts to be refined and, and more sophisticated. Mm -hmm. And as a result... I mean, I hear people talk about, you know, an acting class. Oh, it's so hard to find, you know, monolo good monologues. No, it's not. Just read plays. Mm -hmm. You're going to find them. They're going to come to you. The more plays you read, they're going to come to you. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I, I'm sorry. I can be very wordy, but oh, ask another question. That's why we're on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's true. That's true. But but I, I don't want to dominate necessarily the conversation, although oh, I no. guess please, that's what I'm saying. Please dominating. do. Yeah, please. This is... And, we're, we're just sitting here listening and taking this in because uh, like like Blanca said, we had this experience, uh, this short dive into it where we dipped our toes into what it means to be a different character. Mm -hmm. And we could not stay in one character for more than five seconds. We, what, we were just impersonating accents from different geographies. Very terribly, might we add. <laughs> very, very terribly. So that's, that's where the discipline comes mm -hmm. in to to stick with a character um, I'm a very disciplined person um, I before I was an artist I was an athlete and um, I was pretty good at what I did I boxed and I played basketball um, and um, I was fortunate to to have that that innate discipline um, in me to, to, to stick with something and to do it over and over. because it really after a while I mean it can become tedious yeah. and that's why you want to move on because you start to get you start to get bored yeah. with what you're doing well let me do something else but the thing is when you do that when you bounce around different things right it's hard to get the nuances of a subject or a character you just kind of like, I mean, there's a word for it. It's called uh, being a dilettante. A dilettante. Yes, where you just kind of like, you know, as you say, dip your toe into something. You just get a taste of it. Mm -hmm. it's, it's like, it's like um, uh, moving back to food, right? You have this, this huge pot of whatever it is you've cooked or someone has cooked, and you just take like a little, you know, a spoonful, spoonful. and it's like, oh, that tastes good. And then you move on to something else, right? <laughs> mm. But the thing is, you don't get that, that, that feeling, that full feeling, the full flavor, the, 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 the aftertaste that you're, unless you stick with it. So you have to eat the whole pot. Mm. 
Yeah. Right. You know, and you have to. And I and again, you know what? I'm I'm using words like have to and all that. And, mm -hmm. and you don't ever have to do art. You don't have to do anything. I, I should be more clear. I I choose to to stick with something. Um, and but, you know, you guys had a great experience, it sounds like. Right. So. So, I mean, it was satisfying for you. So, you know, that's, <laughs> and that's really the most important thing. But I would just say that by not sticking with a character for any length of time, you miss out on some of the, 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 the nuances, the, mm. the soul of that character. And that goes to show how much uh, sort of cons you have to build a character in your head and have it well studied, the character, to be... Uh, to be, it, be that character, right? Well, it's so, uh, so much work. Uh, yes, yes. As I said, this is the hardest thing I've ever done, right? Yeah. Um, one of the benefits of doing scripted material is that you are given the character by the mm, author. That's true. And, and then it's up to you as an interpreter. There's some people that they call themselves interpreters as opposed to actors because we're interpreting. If, if an actor does scripted material, he's interpreting somebody else's artistic vision that's true and so 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 you 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 presented a character and then through repetition you start to discover who that character is what's important to that character you you're you're saying so many beautiful things i i had to grab a pen to take notes <laughs> Because <laughs> yeah. I was like, you, you've said a lot of high-impact things. When you. I saw Blanca take out her notebook, I was, I was like, like, oh, thank, thank I, you. I've got to write it down. Yeah. <laughs> and we're also recording, so thank yeah, God. Um, yeah, but yeah. I guess uh, on, on that point of, of sticking to a character and discipline, do you, can you recall some times of contention between yourself and a character or a character that um, you said first it has to resonate with you? Yes, yes. Um, can you recall a character that did have this resonance, but it was built off of maybe a contentious point where it was... So, so um, I have uh, the luxury of picking and choosing the characters that I want to portray. Um, I don't have anything against the LGBT, LGBTQ crowd. Or I, can, I don't know all the letters anyway. But um, I have great respect for uh, that part of my community, right? Because they are. Um, but I'm not going to play an LGBTQ character. I'm going to play a character that, that resonates with me. Those types of characters... And I'm not trying to say they're not valid. They are absolutely valid, but they don't resonate with me. I'll tell you this. I So I was up for a part uh, a few years back, and um, it was, uh, uh, I auditioned for um, a, a play, and, and, I, and I won the audition. And um, the play was Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. And... I hadn't read the play. I knew August Wilson, I knew of his work, um, but I hadn't read the play. And I just, at that point, I just wanted a job. <laughs> and so I was fortunate, I auditioned, and, and, I, and I won the part. And then at the first rehearsal, 
um, I had to use the N-word. And I felt as if it was gratuitous and it was hurtful. Now, that's not to say I've, I've had other parts where I have used that word, right? But it's kind of like nudity, right? If nudity is integral to the play or the movie or whatever, you know, fine, right? You know, but if it's gratuitous, if, I, if, you, if you just want to, you know, see some titty or some ass or pussy or whatever, you know, no, that's not, no, I mean, uh-uh, right? So anyway, so I, uh, I refused to say the word. And there was uh, an, another actor in the room, and he, you know, he just wanted me to say it. And he said, say it, say it. And I'm like, no. And I walked away. I gave back the money that I was paid, and I thanked uh, the producer and said, I hope that, you know, this hasn't soured you on me, um, but I'm not going to play this character. I'm not going to say this in this, in this regard. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, you make a choice, right? You know, and I'm fortunate. I don't, I mean, I, I make pretty good money. I've, I've had made money. I haven't made a lot of money in, in the last few years, but... Um, I'm at a point where I don't have to take a part that doesn't resonate or that I feel will be hard for me to bring off. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That, is, that is so interesting. Uh, and going back to earlier when you said that you, you wouldn't play a LGBTQ character, I think that brings in representation yes. as well, where yes. uh, if it's a story which is, uh, if that character's story is formed because of their identity being LGBTQ, then they should represent that and yes, play that part yes. too. But you know, there's, there's another side to that coin. Um, Tom Hanks uh, was recently interviewed and he had made the comment that um, today he couldn't play uh, one of his most famous roles, the one from Philadelphia, where he played a gay man with HIV. And um, he got a lot of pushback on that because people were saying, well, you know, just because you're not gay, you know, you can still play a gay character. You know, if, you know, you don't, you don't, murderers don't generally get to play murderers, right? You know, kidnappers or violent people or, or, or whatever. It's a role, right? But, you know, for me personally, um, I'm at a point where I can, I can pick and choose and um, I, I, I guess I should kind of like preface my statement. If there was a gay character that resonated with me, then I would play it. But I just, I just don't have that in me right now. Now, now you know, I'm not going to be foolish enough to say, oh, I'm never going to do it. You know, I mean... You know, if somebody gives me this wonderful gay role and they want to pay me some good money, then I'd have to, you know, re-examine. I'd have to, you know, mm. take a step back and say, well, hmm, can I? And, and, and really, it's about the job that you can do. Can you do a good job? That's true. Right? If you can do a good job, I just don't think I could do a good job with those characters, at least right now. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe like I said, in the future, somebody will, 
you know, give me a gay character to play, and they'll you know say, here's a million dollars, gay it up. <laughs> and and speaking of of, of yeah, um, roles that you've loved, what are some characters that you've absolutely fallen in love with? <laughs> all of and them. And what did that look like for you? <laughs> all all of the characters you've played. That's awesome. Um. Well. Uh, um, It's, 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 I mean, that's kind of like, you know, well, you know, who's your favorite child, you know, <laughs> right. that, that, that type of thing. I mean, because I spend so much time with my characters, um, they all resonate, um, and, um, there is, so there's this, this one, uh, character, um, I can't even remember his, his name, but, um, he was written by uh, um, a Mr. Uh, Kelly out of England, and um, he uh, helps his wife commit suicide. And um, it is so cathartic. Um, so I, I, I really like that character. And then I like um, characters written by Mr. Edward Albee. Um, as I said, I, I do some things from uh, a delicate ballads, um, a play that he he's written. Um, also, Eugene O'Neill. Um, I really like um, some of uh, his characters. Um, they just they just speak to me. Um, can I can I do one for you? Oh, oh. <laughs> please! please. Okay. It will be an honor. All right. Okay. All right. So this is special because um, there was an actor named Robert Ryan, and he was one of my great favorite actors. Um, and he uh, he passed away. Um, so he was in this this movie, and the, so it was a play first, then it was a movie, and it's uh, the Iceman Cometh. And um, he passed away right after he played this part. And he so he wasn't around. He wasn't on the earth when um, when the movie premiered. And this is his last speech. Now it's my turn, I suppose. What is it I'm to do to achieve this blessed peace of yours? You think when I say I'm finished with life and tired of watching the stupid greed of the human circus, and I welcome closing my eyes in the long sleep of death. You think that's a coward's lie? I'm afraid to live, am I? And even more, afraid to die? That I sit here with my pride drowned on the bottom of a bottle, keeping drunk so I won't see myself shaking in my britches with fright, or hear myself whining and praying, oh, my beloved Christ, let me live a little longer, at any price, if it's only for a few days more, or a few hours even. Have mercy, almighty God, and let me clutch greedily to my yellow heart, this sweet treasure, this jewel beyond price, this dirty, stinking bit of withered old flesh, which is my beautiful little life. You think you'll make me admit that to myself? And there you go. Wow. wow. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> of course. <clears throat> that, was, that was so beautiful. It and if, if y'all are listening to this uh, online and, and thought that was powerful, imagine being in, in the booth, <laughs> in the booth, seeing that performance. That was, that was beautiful. Um, you actually recommended the Iceman Comet uh, when I was uh, yes. asking you, and I, I have that book, uh, I have that play, and 
I have to be honest. I I started going through it, and it is tedious work <laughs> to go through it. It is it is so much work, and I I'm one of those people who used to think that acting is an easy thing. Mm. Uh, when I would watch these celebrities uh, walk walk on the red uh, red carpet mm-hmm. and be like, oh, mm-hmm. they, t- they get treated like gods, and mm-hmm. all they do is just do a five minute scene and mm-hmm. cut and but that, you but it. let me tell you you only see the finished product exactly. do you know why it looks easy because those people are really really good yeah. that's when things look easy when you're good at it yeah right you know as a musician you know they're just doing this beautiful song you know and i mean that's why there's so many people out there that pick up a guitar yeah. Right? Because they, they say, oh, wow, that's cool. I want to do that. And, and girls like them or, or you know, whatever, you that know. Is, that, is the, that is the first reason why people pick up <laughs> the guitar is to, <laughs> is to <laughs> get chicks. And um, I, talking about acting, I, I've seen bad acting <laughs> as well. Uh-huh. And it immediately uh, shows what a big difference a good actor makes. And also... Uh, can we talk a little bit about uh, what a good director brings into? Uh, uh, okay, sure. So um, I'm very fortunate. Um, I uh, was able to get my dream director for this project that I'm that I'm producing, um, and um, he is actually uh, a bit of a movie star. Um, I'm not going to say his name. Um, well, what the hell? Uh, his name is W.D. Keith. And you can find him in the inter- inter- IMBD, the Internet Movie Database, you know. And he's he was in um, a couple of best pictures, right? And so he's an actor himself. But more than that, he knows the material and he knows me. Um, so, so just uh, taking a step back... Um, I uh, enrolled in classes when I wanted to take it seriously. I enrolled in classes at uh, ACT, American Conservatory Theater, um, which is one of the top five schools in the nation for acting. We're very fortunate to have that here in San Francisco. Um, And he was teaching there, and um, I've taken classes with him, and he always brings out the best in me, and he doesn't let me slack he really, you know, makes me do the best work I can. And he doesn't, he has a firm hand, but it's a gentle hand. He doesn't yell, he doesn't scream, you know. Um, and then also a vocabulary. And by vocabulary, when I'm not just the words, but the feeling, he has an emotional vocabulary. One of the worst things, and this is, this is, and this is a, a test, Okay, if there's somebody that you think wants to be a director or you want to have them direct you, right? If they do a line reading, a line reading is when a director says the words, the line for you and says it the way he wants you to say it. That's, that's called a line reading. That's a no-no, okay? Mr. Keefe, he doesn't have to do that. He knows, he has the vo- emotional and intellectual vocabulary to get across how he wants a line said without having to say because you don't say that the actor you're taking you're usurping the actor's job then mm. right you know 
So, so you have to find somebody that you can get along with, that knows the material. He knows the material like nobody's business. Um, and and you have to be comfortable in the same because I it's it's I this this project this play that I'm trying to put on I've had it in my head for a year and you spend a lot of time with people in the rehearsal rooms a lot of time and so you have to be able to get along with them when he when he and I were auditioning actresses to play my wife he made it clear he said well we want to make sure we got to find somebody that's not crazy you know, and, and we have to be very careful because people can hide, they're actors, they can hide their craziness. A lot of it is like trying to find um, a mate, you know, a husband or a wife or a boyfriend or girlfriend, right? You know, sometimes you make bad choices and then you wish to hell that you were not in that relationship. Well, it's the same thing with a director. You know, you, you, you have to just go by your gut feeling. Now, fortunately, I have real-world experience with this man, so it's, it's more than a gut feeling. I've seen him, actually. So in class, he was going over this play with two other actors. So I've seen him handle the material. I've seen him handle the other actors, and he's handled me in, different, in other parts. So I knew, you know, and I, and I was, like, shocked when he said yes because I had went to, like, three other people because I didn't think I could afford him. And, and the last guy I asked, he said, well, I don't want to do it, you know, isn't there anybody else? And I'm like, well, I've gone through the list of people that I know, you're the last one. I mean, there's, there's one other person, but I'll never get them, you know? And he's like, well, have you asked them? I'm like, well, no, but I mean, this guy is like a Hollywood person, you know? I mean, he, he probably gets like, you know, you know, 10, 20, $30,000, you know, just for like, you know, a walk on, right, you know? And I just said, well, you know, I got nobody else. And so I sent him an email and I told him about the material. And I just said, how much do you think your fee might be? And he sent me a reply that said, well, I'm not going to do it for free, but it's not going to be about the money for me. And I was like, oh, God, thank you. <laughs> they, I couldn't believe my luck. I mean, that's, so. That's really so, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's um, yeah, I'm long-winded in, in my answers. Are, but are, are you able to tell us a bit about yeah, your play and your a project? Bit more or? about the play? Are you keeping it? On? Sure, sure. So um, Mr. Edward Albee, um, he's most famous for uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. A lot of people have heard about that. Um, this play, so in 1958, he wrote a play, his first play. It's called The Zoo Story. And it's this upper class uh, white guy. He's in Central Park and he gets accosted by this uh, lower class uh, white guy. And I'm not going to give it away, but, but and, you know, uh, it's, very, it's a very dramatic confrontation. Very dramatic, right? And the play is one-sided. It's a one-act play, and it's basically about this guy that, 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 that is accosting the, 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 the other guy, right? There's, there's very little, not, not a little, but 70% of the dialogue is, is by this one guy in this one-act play. 
And um, Mr. Albee, uh, so that was in 1958, uh, his first play, and it put him on the map. I mean, it just exploded. People were like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. A one-act play. That's, that's, oh, yes. That's unusual, right? Well, yeah, but but also, and it's got like this huge, famous monologue. It's called the Dog Monologue, and it's very, very famous. It goes on for like four or five pages, right? Anyway, so that was 1958. In 2006, he decided to flesh out the other character, and so he wrote an opening act. So now it's a two-act play. And the opening act is the guy that gets accosted and his wife at home. And that's that their home conversation sets up the second act, right? It's just brilliant, so brilliant. And um, Mr. Albee, uh, he came, you know, from, he had a hard upbringing, but it was also privileged upbringing. And he writes for... He's basically a rich white guy that writes rich white characters for rich white people, right? And what I wanted to do, what I want to do, is to have the husband and wife be played by black people and keep the guy that accosts them, or the, the husband, keep him white. And... I felt like I do feel like when you when you when you I mean, you know, they say like if you if you want to send a message, you know, use Western Union. Right? You know, messaging and art doesn't go together. But if you can do it in a subtle way, right? So by having the, these upper class white folks be played by upper class black folks, you know, there's all this, this talk about replacement theory and all that. I don't look at it that way. I don't want to replace anybody. I just want to be in the same room. I want people to be comfortable. I want rich white folks to be comfortable with a black man in the room. And by doing, and I'm, I'm very fortunate because, you know, I, I'm not privileged, but I've always been able to be in the strata, to hang around rich white folks. You know, I've been at you know, the prep schools, you know. I, I, I lived in Amherst, Massachusetts for many years, um, hanging out at Amherst College, uh, Wilbraham Munson, uh, Andover, those prep schools, Dalton in New York. Um, so I, I have the vocabulary, the actual vocabulary, the words, and um, there's a certain whiteness about me. And it's not so much in the color of my skin, uh, because uh, I'm not that, you know, that light. I'm, I'm, I'm medium complexion. But because I was able to grow up around those people, I know their mores. I know how they speak. And I'm able to mimic their speech patterns and their, and their, their, their mores. And I'll tell you, it was a bear trying to find somebody to play my wife. Because to find a black actress of a certain age, we auditioned tons of, of black women of the right age, but they were all, you could tell they were black. 
right? You know, they, they, they didn't use, you know, black vernacular, but their speech patterns, you could tell. And you could tell that they didn't grow up. They, they could not play. You, like we talked about, about playing gay people and who could play gay people, right? Well, this was a rich black person. And if you weren't a rich black person or you didn't hang around with rich white people, you couldn't play this person. So these are all great actresses, but they couldn't play the part, right? And we found this ideal woman. Her name is uh, Diane Barnes. And she went to Yale Medical School, was on the faculty of, of uh, Stanford, um, and she, she was a bona fide upper class black person that was a doctor. And she quit the medical profession to become an actress. And so she's the person, right? So, so we found these, this, this person, and, and, and we found, you know, the guy that played, the guy that accosts me. And um, so, so, so if you remember uh, many, many years ago, there was a Cosby show, right? And it portrayed something that we hadn't seen before, upper-class black folks, a doctor and a lawyer, right? And by... By showing black people in that realm, to me, that's one of the reasons Obama became president. Because, yeah, because because the white folks were able to see they hadn't seen a black person. They, I mean, look to me, right? Jesse, uh, uh, um, Barack Obama was not a black president. He was a president of color. Jesse Jackson would have been a black president. Right. You know, now I'm not saying anything against Obama. I love Obama and I love Jesse Jackson, too, you know, but but they're just different. Right. And so so the Cosby show enabled white folks to be comfortable with a black man in the room. And so that's what I want to do with this play is to show an upper class black couple. And the husband goes to the park, Central Park, to read, and he gets accosted by this white guy. So in a way, it's like reversing the roles. You would, it's much more uh, ex, in the realm of expectations that, you know, white guys in a park, upper-class white guys, would get accosted by a black guy, right? So by changing the thing, by, by, by reversing, not replacing, not replacing, reversing the roles, I want to show... You know, that, that, yeah, you know, we're just, we're just people too. We, you know, we may not have the money you have. We don't look the way you do, but we have the same issues, the same problems. So, um, yeah, that's, that's the play. And, and that's why I want to do it. And when is, when is it going to be coming out? Well, um, so um, the woman that we found, um, she is in demand. And right now she's in London. Um, and she'll be uh, doing some work in, in, in Greece, uh, and hopefully she'll come back to the States, um, hopefully in a couple of months. And then um, we're looking at right now, we're looking at maybe like uh, November or something like that. Mm. Early, uh, early November, late October. But, but I mean, it's all still up in the air and... I mean, that's the other thing, you know, like I said, I mean, I will have had this thing in my head for a year. I spend every day, I go over the play at least once, every day, every day. 
and it's it's just like here's a here's a section from the play uh where she's she's talking about um how she she's just dissatisfied with with their their relationship i thought we both made a decision when we decided to be together or even before we knew each other i thought we made a decision must have made one that what we wanted was a smooth voyage on a safe ship a few porpoises now and then a gentle swell bright clouds in the distance a sense that it was a familiar voyage though we'd never taken it before a pleasant journey all the way through and that's what we're having isn't it and it and it goes on wow. from from there um so so it's it's just a great play and to answer your question is i don't know when mm. um it's costing me a great deal of money mm. too because i wanted to make sure i've been involved in productions before where the actors were paid a pittance and they weren't paid for the rehearsal or if they were it was just a stipend and i don't do that mm. i'm i'm paying salaries monthly salaries to the director and the other two or at least not not the uh, the female cuz she hasn't come in yet but i'm paying the salaries of of the director and the other actor um mm. and and it just yeah it's it's adding up so i would like to get it done soon <laughs> yeah and that, let us know cuz we we want to see it and we want to watch it we want to talk about it we want to let people know yeah. about it as well so great great yeah. everyone stay tuned yeah. for when there is a a release date for people to come actually come out and see this. Yes. Um yes. and 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 I guess something that struck me in in your in the conceptualization of of how you were going to subvert the story, right? To present this in a in a new light. Um mm-hmm. I why was it essential for the 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 actor who played the role of the wife to be able to deliver deliver the lines and the character in that same vernacular of Because that's who the character role. is. The character is a rich upper class person, upper class woman. This is a rich upper class couple. Now, Mr. Alby, he's always written white char- he he did write one black character um in a play called um I forget the the full name, but it has to do with Bessie Smith, right? Um so so the character is an upper class a rich upper class person. They live in New York. Uh he lives on uh the characters live on um I live on 74th Street. And and I didn't quite do it right. But it, but anyway, it doesn't matter. But but so they have a brownstone, a two-story brownstone in New York, in Manhattan. And um So yeah, so she has to be able to play an upper class person. Mm-hmm. And, and if is you it set in current time? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And um uh when you were talking about recruiting uh actors and auditioning, is there a big theater community in San Francisco? You you mentioned the ACT. Yeah. Um so so um it's dwindling. um ACT no longer um is uh teaching you c- they they don't have an MFA program anymore 
you can go there and take classes, but it used to be you, you could go and get an MFA, a Master's of Fine Arts there. And, and they, they haven't been able to um, uh, uh, affiliate with another four-year university, which is how they, how they would like to do it, and they haven't been able to. So um, it's a dwindling uh, pool. Um, there are some actors that live here in the city that, that like uh, Julia Roberts lives here. What? Yeah. I never knew yeah. that. Yeah, she has a nice little place. Um, well, I'm not going to say where. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, and, and um, there are some famous people that live in the city, but this is not so much a theater town anymore. I mean, you have, like, the Exit Theater, and you have these little, you know, rhinoceros, and, and there's a handful of, of theaters in the city. But it's really hard because... Um, so, so I have to do some more research on this, but um, there's been fallout in the artistic community from the lawsuits brought against Uber and Lyft um, because now um, there's no such thing as a supposedly independent contractor anymore. Everybody's an employee. And as a result, you have to provide health care, right? And... and, and um, I shouldn't, I, I guess I kind of blew the whistle on myself there because I'm not paying, you know, somebody's health plan. I'm not doing that. I can't, mm -hmm. right? I can barely pay, you know, the actors and the director, right? And so what they've done, they've just said, well, you know, we're not getting paid. So they're not, if you ask them if they're getting paid, they will say no. They have to say no. But I'm just like starting out, really. You know, I'm underground. Right, I'm a, I'm a bit of a pirate. So it's the burden is coming on onto the onto you on the theater companies on to the pay, companies. yeah, um, health coverage and 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 so forth, um, and and overtime and all that stuff. You know, um, what's going on now is that uh, San Francisco is becoming a, a road town, mm -hmm. and by that you have a lot of productions that come in like at, at the big theaters, um, Broadway productions, and, and they just come in and you may have, you know, a few actors being able to play, you know, some of the roles in those, those road productions, but then they just leave. So there's not a lot of, uh, as far as I know, and, 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 you know, I mean, I'm just in my own little world. So there, there might be, you might ask other people in the city and they might give you a different answer about the vitality of the theater community in San Francisco. But I know for a fact it's dwindling. I think everyone in San Francisco lives in their own little world. Yes, uh, yes. To some extent. And was it ever thriving? Uh, oh, yeah. It was. Oh, yeah, absolutely. For long periods. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just, you know, you can go back to like, you know, the 60s. Right, you know, and 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 there was uh, San Francisco has always been an artistic town. Yep. So 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 I mean, that's one of the reasons that the center can thrive. Mm -hmm. So because you have so many artistic talents here in the city. Now whether or not they're able to make money at the craft, well that's that's a different story. But there, this is an artistic town. That's that's for sure. Yeah, and you can definitely see that uh, post pandemic. I think there was this void 
of people leaving San Francisco during the pandemic uh-huh. and I'm very grateful that a lot of artists were able to move in because the rents were dropping and I think the city sort of became a little affordable <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know about a little. that <laughs> a little I, I don't know about that. Rents are still crazy in this city. Yeah. And, it, and it's also f- hard to find. And again, this is going back to the center, right? There's a venue mm-hmm. there. It's really hard to find venues. That's true. So, so you know, it's, it's, it's not cheap. To, um, I mean, like I said, I, I'm fortunate. Um, I have cheap rent. And um, I have a bit of a nest egg. So I can, I can, you know, I, I have, I'm, I'm in a luxurious position that many, many other artists, uh, not just actors, but painters and sculptors and what have you, you know. Um, and then, and then the, the people that I have working for me, well, that I'm, I mean, that's a weird thing to say because they're more like, you know, my, my associates, my collaborators, but I just happen to be paying their salaries. Um, one of the reasons that I pick these people is because they have access to spaces to rehearse in. Mm. That's smart. Yes, yes. And and it's it seems like, yeah, being an artist is difficult inherently. Oh, yeah. And being an artist today in a city like San Francisco is difficult. Um, and you, you were mentioning earlier, and I think this was before we were airing, you've, you've lived a whole number of lives. Yes. In different artistic spaces, so far, athletic I have, spaces. I have uh, a painter, writer, uh-huh. basketball. Uh, you played basketball. I boxed. And boxed. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And I managed bands. And, a band and I was a high-rise window washer. High-rise window And I was a bouncer. And I was a bodyguard. And um, I was a housing advocate and a property manager. Yes, I've had many careers. Yeah. And I gave my all to all of them. Mm. That's beautiful. And what we are not one beings. No. I have I have struggled with this through my uh, all through my twenties that I graduated with this engineering degree. Wonderful. And I sort of struggled with the the idea that oh, am I gonna be an engineer for the rest of my life? And I wanted to Try, was trying so hard to, to, to move away from it. And at, at, let me ask you point. a question. Were you doing this because of what your parents wanted? So my parents did not push me towards engineering. I chose engineering because all my friends were doing engineering. Ah, okay. And okay. it seemed like an easier option uh, than becoming a doctor, which was my... <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, sure. Which sure. was my other, other alternative. But they were happy that you, you chose a profession. Absolutely, yeah. 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 So one of the first jobs I had out of college, I was a project manager for Brown and Caldwell, consulting engineers. Hmm. And I, uh, I, this was up in Seattle. I was living up there. And um, I was hanging around the music scene and, and just having all kinds of fun. And my boss at um, the engineering company, um, she made the comment, geez, you seem to be spending a lot of energy and a lot of time with this music thing. You know, maybe you ought to, you know, make a choice here. And I did make a choice and I chose the music. I quit my job. 
and I went into poverty, but I had this invisible safety net, and it was the artistic community. Mm. They wouldn't let me starve. Mm. They wouldn't let me sleep on the street. And, and I remember when I quit my job, I mean, her, my boss name, she was a, a really great Japanese woman. Her name was B Kumasaka. And B was like, you're doing what? You're doing what? Which year was this? Uh, oh, uh, you would ask me that. <laughs> um, it was last century. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, I quit, and, and I became a rock and roll manager. I dyed my hair blonde, and I started managing a band. And, and you know, it was okay. And, and that, from that, that moment on, and, and the reason why I asked about the parents is because I went to college, and I became a professional because of my father. I wanted to make my father proud, mm -hmm. my parents. But then I realized they're not going to live my life. I have to be happy. Mm. And so I, 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 you know, I left. And at that point, I wasn't, I wasn't in contact with my parents anyways. Um, but I always had them in the back of my mind, especially my father, trying to make him proud. And, um, yeah, I, you know, I chose to go a different way, an art artistic way. Now, I have vacillated every now and then, you know, I have to actually make some more money and I become, I go back into pro professional. I, I have this huge collection of ties and I used to have all these suits and every now and then I'll pull them out of the closet and Wonderful. put them on, but not, not often, but, but um, so yeah, I've gone back and forth my, myself from, you know, from artistic to, to the real world, to the, professional world yeah, it's so so difficult to balance between those two it's all about the money mm -hmm. right you know you have to um, I, I so so you haven't asked me the one question that I was really prepping for and that was um, how did I become an actor mm. would you like to answer please do yeah. okay because so. I there was this whole journey that I think we were on uh, from the beginning of where you started and uh, I asked you if if acting was still something transient or no acting was what you chose yes and then how did you come to so um, money um, I stumbled into it I was I had retired and I was in Yerba Buena Gardens playing chess. And um, this, this guy, uh, I used to be one of those chess players on Market Street when they still had that. Oh. I don't know if you, if you remember that. We should that. start it again. I love playing chess. Uh, okay, well, I'd love to play you sometime. Um, do you have a rating? I'm about maybe like 1,700. I'm like not even 1,200. Okay, well. Still, anyway. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know this means nothing to the people that are listening, unless they 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 yeah. they they play chess. Anyway, uh, so I'm in a park playing chess, and this guy comes around and he's trying to recruit chess players for um, uh, a commercial, and and he sees me. Hey, you want to be in? I'm like, hey man, can you see I'm playing? 
you know, I was playing Blitz at the time. Blitz is, is with a clock, yeah. right? So it's timed, right? And so I'm playing, and and as I'm playing, I'm trying. I'm holding two thoughts in my head. Wait a second. Wait, wait. This could be something. And so after I finish my game, which I lost, um, I uh, approached the guy, and 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 I started to turn on my personality, and and um, he said, okay, great, yeah, show up at this place at this day, and I did, and um, it was an AT and T commercial. And um, for people, well, most people don't know this, but um, it's a really difficult process to get on TV. There's like four, no, like six gates that I had to go through to get on TV, right? And anyway, so I show up at this place, right? And they say, okay, just go hang out over there with that other guy. And it was, the guy was a black guy about my size, about my age, about my skin complexion, dressed about the way I was dressed. And he was an actor. And he had gotten a gig from an agent. And I was just there for some guy off the street, right, you know? And um, it took them about like five hours to set up the shot, right? It was crazy how long it took. But that five hours, I got like this like cram course on the profession of acting. Mm -hmm. And this uh, this actor, he just, you know, he just told me, answered all my questions, you know, about the craft, the art, the expectations, the technical things, you know. And I was like, oh, wow, oh, this sounds pretty cool. And um, then the sound guy came over and he said to me, hey, we, we, we want to stand up. We want to mic you. And the actor, right, he knew what that meant, right? He was like, the look on his face was like chagrin. It was like, what? And, 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 and they, they picked me over him. And I was told that um, I was given, told, you know, what I should do. And um, they said that, uh, well, just for this, you're going to make 250 bucks. And... Um, if we use your likeness in a magazine, you'll make a thousand. Mm. And if we use your image on TV, you know, you'll make like 5,000. And if you speak and, you, and we use your voice, that's a jackpot. Then you get residuals. You get the money and you get residuals. Every time the commercial comes on, you get paid, right? Mm. And so, so as a result, there were like all these hurdles, these gateways that somebody had to make a decision mm. to give me a dialogue, to put me on camera, mm. to use my voice, to use my image. And at any of those points, somebody could say, no, nah, that's good enough. No, no. And I would have been happy, right? I still would have made, you know, whatever, a few thousand or something like that. And I ended up making about 50 grand. Yeah. And... Whew. Playing chess on Market Street. No, I was I was playing in Europe Buena at this point. Yeah. And and um, I saw and and I'll tell you I will do exactly what earned me that fifty grand. Okay, I'll do it right now. Okay. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> that was it. Wow. And 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 I could tell I did a good job because all the crew right. 
you know, they, they, they told me what to, to laugh, you know, to hold the phone up. It was for an AT&T phone. And they told me to laugh, and I did. And I could see they're, like, beaming at me, like, yeah. The same expressions that we probably had just now. <laughs> and, and and got the thumbs up and everything. And, um, and even then, I didn't know what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. About six weeks later, I started getting these huge checks, 2,000, 3,000. And it went on for like two years. And I took that money and um, the first thing I bought was a bunch of nice shoes because I have big feet and, and shoes, it's been really hard for me to find really nice shoes that fit that don't hurt my feet. So I just took that money and I bought me the best, nicest shoes I could get. You know, and I, even to this day, I have like a huge shoe collection, um, I'm a bit of a shoe fetish. Um, but anyway, I, I made all this money and I'm like, well, damn, I want to be an actor now. You know, and it never even crossed my mind. Yeah. And, and, and I, I, the universe gifted me a profession. And I honor that gift. I do the best I can. And, um, and I didn't know anything, right? And I, I, I had a friend, um, his girlfriend had done some commercials. And I asked her, well, what do I do now? What do I do? I want to make sure these checks keep coming. You know, what do I do, right? And she said, well, you might want to take some classes. And so, you know, I looked online, what are the best schools and ACT right here in San Francisco, top five in the country. Yeah. And it's not cheap, but you know, it, it, and it, it gave me, the universe gave me my lifelong profession. I love that. And do you, do you think the universe uh, was preparing you for this before you got it? Oh, sure, sure, absolutely. Um, to be a good actor, you have to have experience. You have to have some life experience. I mean, you can you can have some techniques. People can teach you techniques, right? But being an actor is so much more than a technique. It's emotions. It's projecting those emotions to to inhabit another character or to let actually you're letting a character inhabit you, your body, right? You're not becoming them. They're becoming you. Oh, that's. I want to write that down. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, That's, yeah. So, yeah, it, it's, 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 it's like, um, like somebody like Britney Spears, right? When first, well, not so much now, but, but when she was first starting out, right, she couldn't sing an Ella Fitzgerald song. It right. would have been inappropriate because she doesn't have that life experience, mm-hmm. right? Now, because I'm older and I've had all these careers and all these experiences I can tap into those I can like like when I was hanging around with these rich people mm-hmm. right I, yep. I know how they speak I know how they behave I know how they dress yep. right so so you know the thing is and this is going to sound kind of trite and 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 pretentious but I really believe it all of your previous experiences lead you to where you are now. They make you who you are yep. now. And so I'm an actor, not because of my experiences, but those experiences help me be an actor. Your experiences, like when you were in engineering school, right? They probably 
help you. There's little things you do now that, that you do well because of your pre previous experience. Absolutely. Yeah. It changed, it molded my mind in a certain way. Yes. Teaches you. Teach you. Yep. College doesn't teach you what to think. It teaches you how to think. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. And what is it about acting that really clicked with you and, and everything that you've experienced in your life up to that point? Because well, like I said, it was, it, nice. yeah, I mean, 50 grand, you know, that's nothing to see. That was like six years ago, mm. you know, and, and 50 grand is nothing to sneeze at. Mm. And it was easy. It was like, oh, well, geez, all I got to do is laugh or like, you know, I was on camera for like about maybe like two seconds. And all I did was laugh. I didn't have any lines. I just had this really great laugh. And I made 50 grand. And and of course it's it's funny because I had no idea how hard it was going to be. Mm. Once I started to take it seriously, I was like, "Jesus, this is fucking, excuse me. Uh <laughs> this is this is really hard." Um but I as I said when we first started out, I have easy access to my emotions. I have, you know, I can, I can, I can be voluble. I can be, you know, um, I mean, I, I, I can be angry. I can be happy. I can be sad. And I can be all these things fairly easily. The hard part is memorizing the lines, but the emotions are easy for me. So one of the reasons that I do this now, because I haven't made a lot of money <laughs> in these last few years at all, but um, I, you know, it's, it's something that I can do well. Absolutely. And I remember uh, when I was once talking to you at the center, you did this five second thing where uh, you did not say a word, uh, but you just expressed anger through your eyes mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh, you changed your body shape or your uh, posture. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm and working on something like that now. I'm going to be doing something like that tonight as a matter of fact. And it, I could, I could sense the shift. I could uh, see the change as if you just like a click were a different person. Yeah. And yeah. it, it not only blew my mind, but it, it was so inspiring to watch uh, that that you could just do that. Because you uh, prefaced it by, by saying that I'm just going to do this thing that um, you can do. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. to, to watch that was just mind-blowing to me. I work at it. Yeah. I work at it. I mean, I, I the universe gives us tools. We all have tools. And then what we have to do is not waste what the universe has given us. My tools are easy access to my emotions. Now I, I, I go to class, I, I, you know, I work at it. And, and I, use, I learn how to use the tools that have been given me. And that's, that's what you do. And it, and it, you know, people, it's, it's almost like a sin, you know? Like one of the reasons that I became a housing advocate, right, was because I was a property manager for many years. I, you know, I had to evict people, you know, I've had to run buildings, right? And 
I have, I can speak well, right? And I would give speeches to like, to, 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 to different conventions and everything, right? And so I had those skills. And then when I stopped doing that, and I, I wanted to like help people, right? To kind of like cross over to the other side, go from the dark side to, to the side of, of right, you know? Um, one of the reasons that I did it was because I had the skills, I had those tools, and I wasn't using them. And, and to have skills and tools, I mean, why do you have a saw if you're not gonna saw something? Why do you have a drill if you're not gonna drill something? What's the point of having those things? Right? If you have something, use it. So, so it's, it's uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I have those skills. I've been gifted uh, those, those tools. And now I'm spending the rest of my life learning how to use them and to, to, to give them to people. Totally. And I think that's one point where uh, I, I, I always try to think of uh, what an ideal education system should be like <laughs> and that's that's a good way to put it is to find uh, the gifts that the universe has given to you yes during that period of school uh, or during that teenager uh, period mm -hmm. is when you know we are experiencing all the rest so of your life I didn't become an actor until I was a certain age. And, um, yes, yeah. Uh, and I had no clue that that's what I was going to do. Yeah. It's funny. I haven't had a clue throughout life. I've had no idea what the next day was going to bring. I've fallen into everything that I've ever done. And... I mean, you have to, you have, you recognize, you know, oh, I can do this, but I don't, I don't make a plan. I mean, I, I'm planning on producing a play now, but that's in the realm of acting. But I had no clue I was going to be an actor. I had no clue I was going to be a rock and roll manager. I had no clue that I was going to be, I mean, I am like such an anti-violent person and I fell into, so I was hanging around these musicians and, you know, there was a lot of drug usage and... You know, being like right now, I'm for people that can't see me, I'm 6'2", and right now I'm about 250. And I've been pretty much close to this size for most of I've been a lot thinner at some point, but for the most part, I've been this size, right? And in the people that I was hanging around with, I was the biggest guy. And so if there was ever any trouble, you know, I looked after my community. And so that, and then... You know, one night this guy, this rich guy, you know, he said, hey, man, I need you to come, you know, look after me for a while. And I'll pay you this, this amount of money. And so I became his bodyguard. And then I became a bouncer. And, and it, it just, and I didn't, I didn't, you know, I don't want to be a bouncer. I, and the reason why I quit was because at a certain point I realized I'd have to start carrying a gun. And I, I'm totally anti-gun. Uh, but I had no clue what I was going to be. Mm. You know, people... And, and I think that's the way it should be, you know? That's, I mean, because when you... Be. Because you change as you get older, True. right? You know, your parents see you a certain way. They project 
you know, certain things onto you, right? But they don't know what you're going to be. They, they have an idea what they'd like you to be, but that's, you know, you don't know. They don't know what you're going to be. You don't know what you're going to be. Tools and gifts that are, are given to us by the universe or whatever it is, they're very precious. And I think there's a lot of this world that seeks to either dull those tools down or take them away from us. How did you, um, how did you keep those tools sharp or that ability to feel and, and discipline? Mm. Every I spend um, a minimum of two to three hours every day working on my craft. Mm. That's. Discipline is, uh, I wanted, we touched upon discipline uh, before, and uh, I, this is a great time to come back into it. Um, so you said you were uh, an athlete. Yes. Uh, a sports player. Yes. And a lot of discipline is sort of built into those uh, those fields. Yes. When you would, yes. Or maybe any field. Yes. Uh, and was that, how was that process of finding the ideal discipline because what I've noticed is I I I come across uh, a pattern uh-huh. that I can stick to uh-huh. but then I lose it and once I lose it I have to find new discipline again and build it up I'm not quite understanding the question um, so how do you how would you describe your uh, way of building that discipline that you have of every two or three hours how did you come up with what you do in those two three two or three hours part of its trial and error part of it is uh, surrounding yourself with professionals in whatever field you choose and then you emulate what they do um, but everybody's different you know um, just as I have easy access to my emotions I can be disciplined. I can be uh, dedicated. I, I think it's it's really about dedication and and recognizing. I also know that, you know, if I didn't put the time into it, I wouldn't be as good as I am. So you so you have to like say to yourself, okay, if I want to be good at this, then I know I got to spend. So m- maybe you've heard of the rule of ten thousand hours, yep. right? You know, it's it's for those of you that don't know, it says that I forget. Is it Gladwell? Maybe Malcolm Gladwell. I'm not sure. Anyway, um, somebody, somebody smarter than me recognized that all the people that are great, that are world class, they've put 10,000 hours. Michael Jordan, if you add up all the time he's played basketball, it'd probably be about 10,000 hours. Right. You know, Uh, 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 um, uh, Stevie Wonder. Right, he's probably done more than that, more. but at least ten thousand hours. So, and it's about—that's just the way it is. I mean, you have to make a decision. I'm going to be good at this, and I know the way to be good at it is to do it over and over and over. In sports, they call it practice. In acting, we call it rehearsal. Yep. That's that answers my question. Um, is how to build that discipline and keep working at it and you you said that you have to make that decision yes it is a point in time where you have to just tell yourself that oh this is what i'm gonna do for the next hour and 
if, even if it if it's the same thing that I've been doing for the whole week or the whole month, that point of decision is very important. And yeah, that is just the other thing that's uh, can be helpful is failure. If you want to be good at something and you do it and you fail at it and you say, well, that sucked. Um, so I, I've had times where um, I've forgotten my lines. And I know I forgot my lines because I didn't put the time in to not forget them. And I didn't want to fail anymore. So, so, and it, it's about how you, you know, so much of all this conversation is what makes us innately us, right? I have that in me, that fear of failure, and most actors do, actually. You know, we don't want to fail in, in public because what we do is in public, right? You know, and, and it looks bad when we, <laughs> when we fail and, and it sucks. So you don't want to fail and, you know, some people can you know, experience failure and then they say, well, that sucked. I'm not doing this anymore. But it, they might say, well, I want to keep doing this, but I don't want to fail. How do I not fail at this? Yeah. Repetition. Yeah, repetition. Do it again. Yeah. Do it again until you don't fail. I tell you this, the best part for me being an actor is when I'm in my room and there's no one else there and I'm finally able to say whatever material I've chosen to say it from memory. Mm. That That is, because it's the culmination of all the time that I've put into it. And people think, well, no, the culmination is the performance. Nah, you know, no, I mean, yeah, you know, you share it with other people, you know, that's part of the, the, the end game. Uh, but that first pinnacle of achievement is when I have my lines memorized and I can say them and and it's 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 wonderful I mean and there's nobody there you know it's just me yeah. you know but I have this yeah and I get this big smile on my face and I feel like thank you thank you um, let, let me let me let me go back to what the universe gives me gives other people anyone um, I have this one uh, uh, monologue that I do where I play a policeman that's about to torture uh, somebody, a child molester. You've, you've probably seen that one. And um, I, the first time I did it, I wanted to use some props to get some, you know, the accoutrements, you know, the props, uh, the police hat, the gun, you know, the vest and all that stuff, right? You know, because that helps, you know, your characterization. Uh, the manifestation of it, uh, projecting to the audience the authenticity of who you are if you if you have those those props. Well, the day before, the very day before, I'm walking down street. I was walking on California and Polk. I remember the exact location. I found a brand new tactical vest on the street. On the street. <laughs> The day before I was first gonna and I said to myself, Oh my God. And 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 I, you know, I kinda bore people with it now, you know, but to me it's like the universe. The yeah. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And I've had little instances 
like that throughout where and that's not a little one, that's a big one. But but I swear I'm not making this up. The day before I find exactly what I need. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, I'll 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 say to myself, I'll say to the universe, I want such and such a thing. And then I'll find it. I'll go to a thrift store, I'll find it, I'll find it on the street. I mean who finds a fucking Excuse me. Uh, who a finds tactical a tactical vest. voice yeah. <laughs> vest? I mean, and this thing is great. You've seen, you've probably seen it. Yeah. It's it's the real deal. Yeah. It was brand new. <laughs> and I mean, how is that not the universe doing something it for me? It does those little tinkerings with the whole yeah. system just to get yeah. get you what you want. And that's 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 amazing. That validates my belief in the universe too. Absolutely. Because I've also experienced these little moments where it fe feels like, oh, now all these things, all these dots are connecting because this is where they were bringing me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and it absolutely does validate that, oh, I must be ro walking the right yes. path. Yes. Yes. So, so I have no qualms about saying that I am an actor now and forevermore. Was I an actor previously? I was playing roles here and there. But now I'm, I'm, I'm acknowledging that I am an actor. That's why I go by the actor. The actor, yeah. You are the actor. Yeah, yeah. Now, if there were other people at the center, you know, like I can tell you this, when I'm around other actors, I don't call myself that. <laughs> you, <laughs> then you know. become a actor. Yes, 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 yes. Right, exactly, an yes, actor, an yeah. actor, an actor, right? You know, we're like, well, I'm all this room, we're all actors here, right? But I'm the actor at the center because there aren't any... Now, was it last week or the week before? It was the week before. You did something, and you did it from memory. You didn't read it, mm -hmm. and you were acting. Now, I don't know if you called yourself, if you thought of what you were doing as acting, but that's, that's to me, you were an actor at that point. And, and, and it was a bit jarring. Because then I was like, oh, I have to make room now. <laughs> There's another actor in the building. Ooh. <laughs> it was wonderful. I think that was a, that was a poem that I, w I had recited. And uh, yeah, I, I've seen the difference when I'm reciting tr by memory or when I'm looking at my phone and reciting. Because you can play That's with it. Big difference, yes. Yeah, you know, you can, you can, you can, inflections, right? You're not worried about, well, a and T, that means at, and A and D, that means and. and. I mean, and that is the process that we go through. You know, we, uh, you know, we don't articulate. Yeah. yeah, right, you know, yeah. and, and, and you're more concerned with, with, you know, saying what's written on the page as opposed to saying what's in your heart. Mm -hmm. You take those words, you bring them inside you, and then you interpret them. And you can't interpret when you're reading because you're worried about pronouncing the word correctly. Right. And it was wonderful, by the way. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> you're welcome. I enjoyed it. Well, we are at 4.45 oh my God. on a Friday. 4.44, that's where we are. And time has just flown by. Can I do one more? Absolutely. Uh, let me just say... Uncle Ryan is in the house. Uh, Uncle Ryan uh, show coming up at five, and we are in conversation with the actor. And which bit are you? Uh, uh, I'm to? going to do perhaps the most famous monologue there is. Um, 
and um, I just would like to do it as opposed oh, to. Please do it. Let's just. <clears throat> To be or not to be, that is a question. Whether it is noble in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune or to take arms against a sea of troubles and by opposing end them. To die, to sleep no more. And by asleep to say we end a heartache and a thousand natural shocks that flesh is heir to. Tis a consummation devoutly to be wished. To die. To sleep. To sleep. Perchance to dream. Aye, there's the rub. For in that sleep of death what dreams may come when we have shuffled off this mortal coil. Must give us pause. There's a respect that makes calamity of so long life. For who would bear the whips and scorns of time, the oppressor's wrongs, the proud man's contumely, the pangs of despised love, the law's delay, the insolence of office and the spurns that patient merit of the unworthy takes, when he himself might his quietus make with a bare bodkin? Who would fart else bear to grunt and sweat under a weary life but that the dread of something after death? The undiscovered country from whose born no traveler returns puzzles the will and makes us rather bear those ills we have than fly to others that we know not of. Thus, conscience does make cowards of us all. And thus the native hue of resolution is sicklied over with the pale cast of thought and enterprises of great pitch and moment with disregard their currents turn awry and lose the name of action. Soft you now, the fair Ophelia, nymph in the higher reasons, be all my sins remembered. Ta-da. Wow. Wow, it it was such a what an honor to witness that in person. And I don't know if uh, people who are listening, the the energy in the room changed. <laughs> it, it it did. Uh, there was it, it's like slowing time down. That's that's the feeling that I I get. It's like whew, we're transported through time and space somewhere. Mm. Good. My job here is done. <laughs> For those of you listening, if you did want to see catch a performance like that live, um, every Friday there's an open mic at the center mm -hmm. and you will most probably find the actor um, performing or doing a monologue over there. If you wanted a chance to just come up to him, meet him and talk to him, um, the center, open mic. Um, seven to, to ten. And shout out to Liz and Theory who hosted. Yes, yes. Thank them. Week. Thank them. Yeah. Thank them. Uh, shout out Liz and Theory, and also um, if you'd enjoyed this uh, episode of Mean Curry, please reach out. Um, and you can always feel free to ask us about the upcoming production by the actor um, for uh, their play coming up in. And I'm November. available to uh, you know. Sometimes I I that's how I make my money. You know, if somebody wants to pay me to perform at one of their functions. I, I have about 50 or 60 monologues mm -hmm. at the ready that um, I can find one that will be suitable. And, and how, how can did they, they reach you? you? 
through um, through you guys. All right. I trust you guys. You guys, this is your opportunity now. You can be my agent. There you go. We uh, the universe has brought us a new opportunity yes. as as agents. Yes. We we we'll be we'll do that gladly, and. It was so nice having you on the show. Thank, Thank you, you for the Thank invitation. So I've enjoyed this. Thank you. Time flew. Oh my goodness. Yes, and I, I remember when I first told you this. It's it's a two hour show. Uh, I I didn't know how we would uh, spend these two hours. I was thinking of oh maybe I should put in some music in between, uh, or would it just be conversation? But I think this was just brilliant because we got to see and know aspects of you that uh, are so personal and uh, it it was like yeah making a deeper connection thank you I've enjoyed the opportunity thank you so much and now we can bring in the weekend uh, with Uncle Ryan and playing some music here we go
Thank you. 